Home. It's a feeling more than a place. And the feeling is most intense when it's gone. Missing home can feel heavy, make you feel hollow. In Sherman Heights, a neighborhood just east of downtown San Diego, people from all over show up here at the community center to reconnect with a home that's on the other side of the border. A woman showed her chubby-cheeked baby niece a traditional Mexican altar meant to honor dead relatives. I have family in Tijuana, and it's always been a part of my life being a border person, a border child. And so I I wanted to bring her out, too, to just, um, I don't know, start start feeling it and living it, the being bicultural. Mm-hmm. Did I kiss you more? <laughs> Later in the show, we catch up with a pair of artists who want to take a piece of home and deliver it to a traditional Mexican Day of the Dead celebration in San Diego to honor the fact that for 25 years, the Mexican community have come to this museum to celebrate Dia de los Muertos, and they do like a, a cemetery mock-up in there, and they, they do the ofrendas. The artists load hundreds of marigolds they grew in Mexico onto a mobile altar they made. Then they try to roll the flowers through the border fence. Things got complicated. I'm Alan Lilienthal, and you're listening to Only Here, a KPBS podcast about the place where San Diego and Tijuana meet. Today, a story about celebrating death as a way of bringing culture back to life. Only here will you find a San Diego community working hard at reconnecting with traditions on the other side of the border and Tijuana artists bringing that tradition across the border fence. More after the break. KPBS On Demand is supported by UC San Diego Osher Lifelong Learning Institute, hosting an open house to learn about the upcoming classes and seminars, member benefits, and meet the volunteer leadership team. Saturday, March 30th. Registration at extendedstudies.ucsd.edu slash O-L-L-I. Sherman Heights is one of San Diego's oldest neighborhoods. Big, old Victorian houses are everywhere here. The neighborhood has been home to a few different waves of immigrants. First Germans in the 1920s, then Chinese and Japanese, followed by the black community. Nowadays, it's predominantly Mexican people who call Sherman Heights home. The neighborhood is tight-knit, and part of what holds it so closely together is the community center. I think this is really the hub, uh, to be honest. I feel like the the community members who, who worked really hard to get this to, first of all, this was a piece of land before there was a building here. Um, and uh, it, when the building came, it's because the community members continued to advocate for the fact that they needed a community center so that the youth you know, had somewhere to go. And um, a lot of those uh, community members have been Mexican-American. And, you know, That's Irma Patricia Aguayo, the community center's executive director. 
Back in November, the neighborhood was celebrating the start of Dia de los Muertos, or Day of the Dead, the annual holiday celebrated throughout Mexico from October 31st through November 2nd. The holiday centers around remembering family and friends who've died. Dozens of Day of the Dead events are held across the border region every year. But this celebration at the community center is billed as San Diego's most traditional and longest running. When you don't live in your family's homeland, it can be a constant battle to stay connected to your past and traditions. The American way of life has a way of melting everything into one giant pot full of so many ingredients that the flavors are hardly discernible. But in Sherman Heights, the community is not jumping into that big melting pot. Instead, they're keeping the Mexican flavor alive. <laughs> Nearly 25 years ago, neighbors showed up at the center asking if they could build altars inside. Some asked because they didn't have room in their own homes to build the tributes to their dead loved ones. Others because the bodies of their loved ones laid in graves on the other side of the border. And they missed the sense of community that came with everyone gathering in cemeteries in Mexico during Dia de los Muertos. A few folks built altars here the first year. More the next. And a tradition was born. Now, the community builds nearly a dozen altars and walks in a huge Dia de los Muertos parade through the neighborhood to see other altars. The whole thing ends at another altar display in nearby Logan Heights. Um, all the altars are done by community members, and it's, this is our 24th annual Dia de los Muertos celebration. So um, the community members come out, they know to sign up, and uh, we, don't, we really don't have to do a whole lot of uh, outreach because they know. And so they come, they sign up, it's absolutely free, and we do it so that you know, we can preserve the culture and so that they have somewhere to feel um, that they are healing since we can't do it at the cemeteries. At the community center, the Day of the Dead festivities kicked off with Noche de Mole. It's an annual fundraiser where people come together to listen to Mexican music, see the altars before they officially open to the public, and eat mole. I've always had a hard time describing mole to my non-Mexican friends because it's more than a sauce, and it's not really curry, but it's definitely somewhere between the two. Different regions of Mexico make it in different ways. The sights, the sounds, the tastes... They're all meant to wrap people in that sense of home and remind them of where they came from. On that night, Chef Sergio Garcia Manriquez, who runs a Chicano soul food catering business called Dos Tierras, was making green mole, brown mole, and for his first time ever, vegan mole. He says he mostly cooks the traditional kind of food his grandma used to make. I'm going to start pumping out tortillas right around that time. Well, you know, um, because it's, it's like, it's honoring your, your, for me, it's honoring my grandma and not forgetting her essence. Her essence, uh, you know, her, and her tradition, yeah, it, it just reminds me of home and it brings me to a happy place. A happy place that doesn't, you know, necessarily um, require a huge, uh, huge sums, sums of money, you know. It's uh, the stuff that, that money can't buy and... You know, um, me preserving her, her memory is, is, in essence, uh, allowing her for not to be forgotten. And also with my uncles and aunts have all been influenced, influenced this way of eating. So I just hope that it, it just uh, brings that same 
feel good to, to people who haven't had their grandma cook for them in a long time. People from all over the region come to Sherman Heights to celebrate Dia de los Muertos because they know it's authentic. The event here is about more than just seeing beautiful altars filled with pictures of lost loved ones, marigold flowers, and calaveras. Those are the decorative skulls that have become synonymous with the holiday. People come here to connect with their culture on a deeper level. They come here to deal with death and to help keep the Mexican tradition going. Here's Irma again. It's a, it's a spiritual thing, first and foremost. It's uh, very healing. It's, um, you know, everyone's talking about that Coco movie, and, and it feels like a movie, but what I tell people is, it's you know, the reality is that I do stand at my altar, and I do visit it every day, and I do expect my grandmother to come through. And so it's the real experience of um, having that connection. Um, and then, you know, we are we're a border city. And, you know, these traditions have to stay alive. If we don't preserve them, you know, um, then they're lost, you know. Upstairs, away from the music and the food, people wandered through about a dozen altars set up throughout the community center. People took their time standing in front of each one, looking at all the knickknacks left on the altars, trying to glean the personality of the people being honored. Nancy Alvarado really liked one particular altar that had a lot of personality in it. Oh, I was just saying this is an excellent altar because it really reflects the character of the person who passed. And, you know, jokingly, I said, when I die, please don't put fl- fruit on my altar because I didn't eat fruit when I was alive. I'm certainly not going to eat it when I'm dead. <laughs> I love his Snickers bar and his shirt from where he worked that shows that he was dedicated to his job at, you know, the university catering. And they went for Chivas because, you know, he has good t- had good taste in teams. At Coca-Cola, just legit things that make me see him as a human being and help me understand who he was in life. Marissa Cassini says she comes to the center every year to spend time at the altars out of a sense of duty to keep the Mexican tradition alive in her family. At school, her kids are taught about Halloween. At home, she teaches them about Day of the Dead. For me, for myself, uh, growing up, being born and raised in in San Diego, a lot of these traditions just tend to kind of die out. They die out because we start embracing the traditions that we were taught in school and, you know, just we start embracing um, the American traditions. So for me, it's really important to um, have events like these and for people to educate, to be educated on the altars, the significance, and this particular event because a lot of people think that it's about Halloween and you know painting your face and it has nothing to do with Halloween so I think it's truly important just to teach your children about you know their culture their heritage and what all this means so Bill McGuire didn't grow up in Mexico with the Day of the Dead traditions but a few years ago he convinced his husband Pedro Castro to start celebrating the holiday in their home. He says his culture, white American culture, never really equipped him with the tools he needed to deal with the inevitability of death. I make an altar myself every year at home. I think it's a wonderful way that the Mexican culture has told us not to be afraid of death and to celebrate our ancestors. In the past, I've made altars to Sor Juana Inés de la Cruz, and um, Audrey Hepburn is diverse as that. Usually um, someone close to us that 
is um, recently deceased, or maybe just somebody in history or in the art who I think has been a very important person. Recently we've done for Bevelo's brother and for my own brother. But a lot, it has to come from an authentic feeling. And if it doesn't, then I don't think it's a real altar or so. My father came once. Uh, we had a skull, a sugar skull with his name on it. And I dedicated the altar to him. I put all the, uh, uh, the, wheat, um, the brandy that he liked and then the food that he liked and some personal stuff that I have from him. I never met my father. He died when I was about a year old. And in the morning, the sugar skull with his name was bitten. Like I'm not dying to die, but it's made me much more comfortable with the thought of my own death. I used to be terrified of the whole thought. Yeah, same way. I mean, if I die tomorrow, I'll be happy. I mean, he won't, <laughs> but I'll be happy. Claudio Ernesto de Luca runs a Mexican and Latin American gift shop and gallery in San Diego's Normal Heights neighborhood. He's from Brazil, not Mexico, but he's come to love Day of the Dead. And he thinks it's fine that non-Mexicans want to get in on Dia de los Muertos. Claudio says anyone should be able to adopt any tradition they want as long as they're respectful and take the time to learn what it's really about. Some people still don't want to think about it, so they go... Not a wonderful chance to get drunk while dressed up like Frida Kahlo or something. Every single, everyone in every single culture will die. So what's so holy about being able to remember your ancestors, your relatives, your pets in a formal way of being able to to mourn and remember them formally instead of trying to hide it all inside. So it's okay for a gringo to adopt Mexican tradition. Of course. What's wrong with that? After the break, we head to Tijuana, where artists Luis Ituarte and Gerda Govine have built a mobile Day of the Dead altar. So this is a train that I designed it in a way that one person can carry it. And, uh, you know, it's not, it's not that. And it makes it. It's uh, four feet wide by six feet long and uh, six and a half feet tall. And um, it's holding right now holding about 450 flowers. Their plan? To roll the altar from Mexico to the U.S. through the international port of entry. More soon. KPBS On Demand is supported by UC San Diego Osher Lifelong Learning Institute, hosting an open house to learn about the upcoming classes and seminars, member benefits, and meet the volunteer leadership team, Saturday, March 30th. Registration at extendedstudies.ucsd.edu slash O-L-L-I.
Artist Luis Ituarte and his wife and collaborator Gerda Govine stood inside an apartment building in Colonia Federal, a neighborhood that touches the border fence in Tijuana. Luis showed off the mobile Dia de los Muertos altar he made. This is the Transnational Cempasúchil Express. They loaded the cart they made with hundreds of Cempasúchil, a type of marigold flower that he and Gerda grew in Rosarito, a beach town south of Tijuana. Uh, it took us since July last uh, this year so that we started the seeds and grow the, 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 the flowers. Luis and Gerda say the project is meant to be a symbolic gesture, in part to remind people of the migrants who die every year trying to cross the border in search of a better life. But more pragmatically, they wanted to take the flowers they grew themselves to a decades-old Day of the Dead celebration in Escondido, a city in northern San Diego County. It's a literal piece of home, flowers grown on actual Mexican soil that they can give to the large Mexican community that lives in Escondido. Luis says he wanted the people who showed up in Escondido for the celebrations to be able to smell the flowers and know they were grown in Mexico just for them. To honor the fact that for 25 years, the Mexican community have come to this museum to celebrate Dia de los Muertos, and they do like a, a cemetery mock-up in there, and they, they do the ofrendas. So this is, this is a project in which I designed it in last July. We decided to plant the flowers, so we started from scratch from the seeds. It didn't take long for Luis and Gerda to figure out that they wouldn't be able to roll their Day of the Dead altar through the borderline as they had planned, since it's not a registered vehicle and doesn't have a license plate. So instead, they rented a U-Haul, and the plan was to put the cart on the U-Haul trailer and drive the cart through that way. They wanted to load the flowers onto the cart first, so they drove to Rosarito to harvest them. Gerda read a poem she wrote about the flowers right before the group of volunteers with them started picking them. Flowers are the most prolific inspiration for poetry. Bring flowers. People cross borders every day, hidden and unhidden Luis and Gerda then arranged the hundreds of sempasuchil in buckets affixed to the cart and got ready to load it on the U-Haul and drive it through. So, you see this? Uh, we got them and it come in bunches. And then we have... They were a little nervous about whether the Border Patrol agents at the port would let them through. But, but I think the other part, too, you know, we do have a letter from the museum stating that this, this is an art project and we would like for them to allow them to come through so that we could celebrate the Day of the Dead. So we've got that letter. So hopefully between that letter and the reality of what we're doing, they will say yes. Yeah. You, you can yeah, and, you know, it's very important uh, um, that this is really... A performance piece. This is Luis had successfully crossed a large art piece before, a huge piñata he designed to look like a tank for a performance piece at Borderfield State Park. He made it through the border that time without any issues. But this time, no such luck. The borderline was long. It took them hours to get to the port of entry. Once they arrived at the front of the line, the border agents were skeptical and sent them to secondary inspection a place where border agents take a closer look. Luis called in to give us the update. As soon as we got in there, there was a, a, a guy that he was very dramatically, almost aggressively saying, this has to go back, this is commercial, you have to go to Otay Mesa. Otay Mesa is another, more commercial port of entry in eastern Tijuana. They drove the cart there, 
but no luck there either. And then the guy comes with the flowers and saying, we just analyzed this in the lab, and we find some bugs and some uh, stuff in there, and uh, like, um, they can't go through. Their dream of bringing a literal piece of home to the Mexican community in Escondido was gone. So you have to go back and maybe try. But they had to get at least the car to the event the next day, so they ditched the flowers by handing them out to friends and neighbors in Tijuana. Then, they crossed the cart the next day without the flowers and showed up at the museum to deliver the bad news. Luis and Gerda were upset and disappointed. They had spent six months growing the flowers and building the cart. But the museum told the artists not to worry. They'd be willing to buy replacement flowers. So they sent them to a nearby flower shop in Carlsbad to pick them up. So we're here. We're at the flower shop in Carlsbad picking up a whole bunch of sempasuchos to replace the ones that didn't come through. It has a, some symbolism also, the, the fact that the flowers were rejected and we turn it back. So I, I think that when we do the beauty of all this, um, there is going to be a lot of um, things that the, for people to think with, um, with the analogy that we're doing with the flowers and, and the people, you know. So that, that is my aim as an artist, is to kind of, um, through the flowers, um, represent something that is happening in our culture and our society. The Day of the Dead celebration started shortly after they got the new flowers. A marching mariachi band led the parade. And people loved the mobile altar. They enjoyed the flowers. Everything turned out okay. So uh, it was great. Uh, we had about a hundred people uh, uh, following the the, the 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 train with the sempasuchu, and um, a lot of um, uh, expressions of like uh, uh, Mexican expressions of happiness, like hi ha hi and whatever. So it was an amazing event. There must have been about 3,000 people uh, celebrating this. It was just amazing how many people came. And uh, so it was an amazing adventure, um, an incredible work of uh, art, you know, uh, a, a performance piece that took six months to complete. And I feel so satisfied that, uh, that it was able to conclude uh, the way it did. Dia de los Muertos celebrations are one of the ways people who are disconnected from their homeland, separated from their culture and the way they grew up, come together and plug back into their home, their heritage, and their traditions. The smells of the marigolds, the taste of the food, the sight of the altars, the sound of the music, everything that comes with a good Dia de los Muertos celebration lights up every sense and can evoke vivid memories of home and family. So as long as people here keep celebrating Day of the Dead and other important traditions, their culture lives on. Next time on the podcast, a story about an object typically known for its destruction, 
not creation. I like the idea of challenging that traditional view of the piñata because, like I said, it's a blank canvas. You can you can do so much with it. You can make a, a Frankenstein drone. You can, you know... Is that a giant maxi pad over there? Yes. <laughs> <laughs> Only here can you find a San Diego artist packing piñatas with political messages instead of candy. Only Here is a KPBS podcast hosted by me, Alan Lilienthal. It was written and produced by Kinsey Moreland. Emily Jankowski is the technical producer. Lisa Morissette is operations manager, and John Decker is the director of programming. Sarah Anderson is our student assistant. KPBS podcasts are made possible by listeners like you. Go to kpbs.org to make a donation or become a member today. Thank you. KPBS On Demand is supported by UC San Diego Osher Lifelong Learning Institute, hosting an open house to learn about the upcoming classes and seminars, member benefits, and meet the volunteer leadership team. Saturday, March 30th. Registration at extendedstudies.ucsd.edu slash O-L-L-I.